Well, thank you. This is your life coach, Lady Gloria B. Thank you for joining me at this moment and at this time. What is our issue? This is International Poetry Month. And we have one of the most awesome women of poetry, the Egyptian princess. Have our interview with the Egyptian princess. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Issues of Life. This is your life coach, Lady Gloria B. Thank you for joining me at this moment and at this time. And please welcome the Egyptian princess. Can you say hello, Mary? Hello. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. I am so honored. Uh, We've been trying to do this for such a long time. And... (laughs) I am just really just excited to um, to to interview you to to talk about how wonderful and fabulous you are. So <laughs> so thank you, thank you for uh, being here at this moment at, the, at this time. Um, thank you. Thank you. Pronounce your last name because I always screw it up. <laughs> it's Tawadros. Tawadros. Now. What is that? Tell me about that. Is that um, kind of tell me about your background, huh? It's an Egyptian name. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents were born in Cairo, Egypt, and mm-hmm. um, I was born in New York. I, I didn't. I was not born in, in Cairo, but uh, yes, they were both born in Cairo, Egypt, and um, I do have some Armenian roots on my mother's side. My grandfather was part Armenian as well. Yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's interesting because I remember when you and I, we met, mm-hmm. we met doing what? Um, through Michelle on one of the plays, right? Correct. That's right. Through one of the, yes. With um, comedian, um, it was, what was her name? Oh, my goodness. Was, was that Storm? Storm. It was, yeah. yes. Storm, yes. It was amazing. Amazing. Right. Play. Okay, that was. She's such a phenomenal woman. Oh, my gosh. Right, right, yes. right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, um, comedian um, Storm, mm-hmm. one woman play. Yes. And I think I was doing a couple of things. I was I was running the the welcome, right? You did. You're running the welcome. So we ended up meeting at the house first. Right. When we were okay. If I was going to do my poem you know, the one I had written about myself or the one I wrote about her. And we, we came to the dynamics of, of making the decision with Karen White that mm-hmm. it was best to do my piece instead of the poem I wrote about her since she was going to tell her own story. So, yeah, because she inspired me deeply, actually. By meeting her and hearing her story was so mind-blowing to me. And I felt like I just barely kind of scratched the surface on a few things that I didn't talk about as far as my own life. So she really true inspiration and i opened for her 
on her last day of the play. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Karen Melina White, um, wonderful yes. actress that we yes. both had opportunity to um, to work with on um, Comedian Storm's one woman show about yes. her life. Yes. And I, you know, it's really something because at that at that play and mm-hmm. and working with uh, Michelle Coulson Smith who mm-hmm. brought me in and and I've worked on a number of her plays different mm-hmm. different roles more or more on the background organization finance whip everybody in shape you know mm-hmm. uh, sometimes you know the peacemaker the coach right. and um and then on that one on that play and I think it was the same night they had me to to do the stage work. Mm. Mm. And and so that kind of also kind of re-triggered because I used to do radio and stuff. It really re-triggered my my love for for speaking and um emceeing <laughs> and so forth. So yes. um so that was kind of a fun thing, you know, for me and 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 being able to kind of do that and kind of re-trigger, which kind of brings me to, you know, now I'm, you know, podcasting. Right. It's so awesome. So awesome. Now, now I don't think I ever told you this, but I remember when I first met you, I was like, Egyptian princess. You know, that's kind of cute <laughs> right. and different. I was, you know, I was like, well, you go, girl. You know. <laughs> you know. I, I, understand. I, I get that a lot until people understand <laughs> why I call myself that. So right, right. Which is, wasn't bad because, I mean, I work in the rap industry, so I've, you know, been around a whole lot of different names and, and I, you know, had a few names growing up myself. So, um, right. but I was, you know, very interesting. I thought it was very beautiful and, and very, very different. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, there's a whole lot about you and mm-hmm. so I kind of want to start with the the accident mm-hmm. because you just recently celebrated 37 years yes. of an accident that you experienced. Why don't, why don't you tell us about that? Okay, so April 19th, 1984, I was seven years old and I ended up running in the middle of the street after looking both ways. And I saw a car that was on the left side far. It was very, very far. I knew I could run and make it across because I had just done that literally probably a half hour prior. So um, I didn't think anything was going to be a problem. However, I'm making it, trying to get to the other side like I was earlier. And then this small pickup truck came from the right side and he was going like full force and he hit me and threw me 18 feet like a ball. And I was five minutes unconscious, uh, pretty much, I almost met Jesus, (laughs) and it was was all over, but God wasn't ready to take me that day. And I came to, I was was in pretty bad shape. I basically broke both my legs, my Mm. right collarbone. I had had, um, fractured my head, uh, double vision, um, and so when they, I could feel them ripping my pants in the ambulance. That's the one I came to and I could see a bunch of people. It's like three o'clock in the afternoon, around that afternoon time. 
and everybody in the neighborhood was out. I could see. And then I remember calling for my mom and then I went into shock. And I stayed with my mouth and mouth, you know, eyes wide open for hours. And uh, yeah, my, my mother couldn't even look at me anymore at that point in the hospital. The first person I saw was my brother and they were x-raying my body and I could feel the pain just on my legs. And then finally after that, I saw my mom. But um, I ended up staying in intensive care for a week and then finally moved to a hospital bed upstairs by myself. Um, and yeah, it was really bad. It was a bad accident. A month and three days in the hospital. I had um, a hospital bed at home eventually. And then I also had a wheelchair. I had to learn to walk all over again. And wow. it was really, you know, an extreme um, tragedy in our in our family. Like, I mean, everybody was really um, sad and concerned and worried about like, you know, she's gonna walk again, is everyone gonna be okay? And praise God, I, I do, you know, I am a walking miracle. And um, I still have, yeah, yeah, for sure. It is all God's glory that I still walk today. Um, I have a leg shorter by two and a half inches and my left leg is curved out slightly as well. Um, However, I just wear a built up shoe by one inch and that balances my back out. I can't go any higher with that, um, even though it's two and a half inches shorter. And so um, if you see me in person, you'll see my built up shoes and Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, it, I'm, I'm thankful that's all it is. I don't limp. I don't, you know, have any any need for anything. I'm, I'm still able to walk and, and I'm still able to dance, praise the Lord. <laughs> and so <laughs> I'm very thankful for those blessings and I don't take it for granted. I don't take that for granted at all. And I feel now, like- How did that you during your teens? Did you have to do with any, deal with any bullying or? Yes. Um, actually, the bullying came sooner than later. After we left Glendale, this was in Glendale when it happened, um, the accident. We moved right about a year later to Ontario. And that's when the bullying started to happen. I was made fun of for my shoes. I was made fun of for being a different culture. There was no one that was Middle Eastern in my elementary school. And um, I made, made fun of for my hair. I actually had a girl, because my hair was really thick back then and just curly. I had a girl that actually came and pulled a strand from behind, thinking that I was wearing a wig. Wow. I was like, wow. So I was, yeah, made fun. And I was, of course, I was overweight too, due to the accident, being hospitalized, being the fact that I wasn't very active. And unfortunately, this is the sad part, is the doctor that my father brought in happened to be Middle Eastern. He wanted some more, someone he could understand better than the American doctors to be involved in Mm -hmm. the research they did on my legs. And unfortunately, the man said, when he came, the day that I actually stood up off the wheelchair, he came to the house and he says, oh yeah, she just needs to do squats. She doesn't need physical therapy. And hey. that was yeah, a very big mistake. And um, he he put a wrench in my, my actual healing. And it's still to this day, my knees are not 100%, that's for sure. Um, but I still do believe in the grace of God that I just, I need to continue working on losing weight getting healthier. And I've been on a health journey over the last year, especially trying to work on that because of that purpose of wanting to grow into my late forties and, and getting into my fifties and what have you to be able to be flexible and, yeah. and joint pain and, and back pain and all these things that I have from the accident. But if you see me, you would never know because I don't really show it too much, but I do get, you know, weather changes, all those things, you know, I do get right. 
Yeah. And, and you're yeah. right about that because we've hung out, you know, many times and I mm-hmm. forget, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that you, you know, do have that disability. You can't tell. And right. it's not a, you know, something that you even kind of, you know, really focus on even yourself. Yeah. So, yeah. so I really kind yeah. of forget about it um, yes. as well. So now you haven't definitely let this disability stop you because no. you have <laughs> accomplished so much and you still have more to do. I know you do. Yeah. Um, but let's talk about your your love for art because we met and mm-hmm. in the art scene in a you know in a sense doing um you know this play and and that's mm-hmm. you know when I first actually experienced um you besides the you know the rehearsal time that we have was mm-hmm. like giving a rehearsal that's the first time I really experienced your art so tell me about yeah. how did you discover that you started doing poetry or you just started writing while you was injured when did that this happen I I started writing poetry when I was 12. I found it to be a great outlet because I really wasn't heard in my house. Um, I was an unexpected child. I was not ever planned. I was almost aborted. Um, I had been prophesied two years prior to actually my birth that my my uncle who was sick, he had leukemia, my brother, my father's brother. And he told my mom, he's very young that he was the last one in the, the family, but he was sick. And he told my mom, you're going to have a daughter. And she didn't, she just thought, oh, he's just sick. He's, he's crazy. You know, he's delusional. He's going through all these aches and pains, you know, whatever. And she didn't take it seriously. And he was right. Two years later, there I was, you know, she, she had missed her period for two months. She comes home and then the doctor calls her after she went to get a checkup. And he tells her, oh, Mrs. Tawadros, you're, you're going to have a baby. And she's like, what? <laughs> you know, she's freaking out. <laughs> Because, you know, she was 39 at the time. And so she wasn't trying to have a child at that age. She was done. She had my brother. And unfortunately, just the strain of the marriage, the way it was with my father, he never wanted mm-hmm. children anyway. And so, you know, the news of me just didn't add any, like, excitement, like, yay, a one more child. No. And so mm-hmm. I really considered having an abortion. My cousin... Fold her. Wait, 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 back up. So your mom was considering to abort you. Correct. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And she, <laughs> she just wasn't, she's like, I'm, I'm 39 years old. I don't want to go through this. And I already have so much going on in this marriage. That's not right. Having another child's not going to help the situation. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. now what were so, you going to say about your cousin, your cousin, what? So my cousin, which is her sister's son, told her, he's he's older. He is older than me by 22 years. And he's 10 years older than my brother. My brother's 12 years older than me. So he told her, he says, you know, I grew up an only child. Don't let Ash grow up to be an only child also. Um, mm-hmm. And so he got in her ear and it just, it, he convinced her. And so did, I'm sure my aunt and my, my grandma, all of them, they basically gave her some advice as well but I know that was the key thing that kind of like you know she decided to go forward and um and later in life I would be her caretaker I'd be the one to be by her side when everything was so hard physically for wow. her and I, she, she was sick all my life actually 
She's had my mom was. Yeah, she was. And so was my father. My father had diabetes. My mother had the heart problems. Mm-hmm. It was so. A- how did that? Let me. So let me go back to the. So the fact she was. She thought about aborting you. She didn't. So did that make you have more respect for your mom, or or was it opposite? Well, how did how could she even think about that, or? No, I I really do understand the circumstances being the fact okay. that I saw the relationship between my mother and father and the way how difficult he was. Unfortunately, my father was just not someone who who wanted to be a dad and that showed. He didn't want to be he really didn't want to be a faithful husband. That was unfortunate too. He was just mm-hmm. someone that wasn't meant for marriage, wasn't meant for for fatherhood. And for him to tell me that when I was 16, you know, he said it in a, in a day that he shouldn't have told me. The way he's like, yeah, I never wanted children. The way he said it, I was in the middle of an exam, getting wow. an ultrasound, and he had he got in the room because unfortunately they didn't have a woman tech, and I ended up with a male tech. And he's like, oh, I'll come in with you. And I was like, oh Jesus, between him and the corner, the <laughs> and I'm 16 years. I'm like, gee, really? Thanks a well, lot. He was, and, well, he was. Th- that's a protection. He was yes. like, no, let me go in here so I can protect my daughter. Right. Even right. though he kind of threw that, threw a monkey wrench in there. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Because the male tech actually needed a second opinion on something. I had to bring another guy in there. I'm like, oh my God, can this just end? And then they left, the two of them. And, you know, and then all of a sudden he decides, see, I never wanted children. And I'm like, wow, wow. Dad, thanks a lot. You picked such a fine time to tell me this. I so really, really did you end up passing the test or? Everything was fine, thank God. But okay. I just, but unfortunately, I was okay. sitting there with a full bladder of water. It didn't help too. I'm on, under some, s- severe pressure, and also right. then that tells me, yeah, I don't want you. <laughs> so it's like I never so wanted. The, so, you. so how has that? I mean, for for your dad to tell you that, what was your relationship like after after that? It 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 definitely put a strain, but it wasn't unusual because of the way he was as a person. My father, well, he could turn, he could go from being super nice to you to in two seconds, he turned into the Hulk. Like he starts mm-hmm. yelling, he gets loud. And he, he gets so loud that I just walk away. It's like, okay, when you calm down, uh, I'll come back. Because seriously, I can't continue with this. <laughs> I just, okay. I'm just, I gotta go, I can't. And um, I really wish my parents would have separated, to be honest, I really did. I wish they would have done that when I was 12. But my mother did not want to do that out of cultural, fear she said mm. no i don't want you to grow up in a household where you um come from a divorced family you know that doesn't look good for you when you're going to get married because that would be me marrying in my culture of course but what i saw in my culture never made me want to marry someone in my culture so i was like you are just killing yourself for no reason <laughs> so yeah. so kind of what your dad telling you that he mm-hmm. didn't want children he never yeah. wanted children Due yeah. to the fact of the way that he was, mm-hmm. it wasn't, it was kind of, you wasn't surprised him saying that. It was a surprise in that moment, just the way he said right. it. And just, it's like, that was hurtful. And I was hurt by it. I was. And it just, it just was so hard to be in that household. So that's why right, poetry right. became the outlet. I could talk about... I, I used to talk about, you know, even death. Like I even talked about death, like I, to want to die. There's a poem that I still have. I would make collages. I would write poems and I'd make collages. I have these two binders from high school. Mm-hmm. And collages that are beautiful. Like I love, I'm proud of them. You know, Dad, I still have them to this day. 
And it was my outlet to release artistically, my hurt, my pain, um, the things I thought about spiritually, uh, mm -hmm. love. I, I, I'm always been a romantic, so I wrote a lot about love and I still do. And so, um, cause I would like to think that it's not all households are like this, that I grew up in mm -hmm. the, the real loving relationships. Okay. And, you know, yeah, I find I know that now I know, I'm sorry. I know that there's some poems, a poem that you want to share. Do you want to share one of those now or? Yeah, actually, I think what would be fitting is me to share the poem that I did um, the day that, you know, I performed in front of you because it's my story. And um, well, there's that one. And then there's also this is another one. But let's see. Maybe I should go the other route. <laughs> now that I think about it. Maybe I should and I, go. And I, and I and, and, you know, hanging around you, I learned about snapping. Oh, <laughs> I learned about <laughs> snapping at poetry now, you know, yeah. so I be snapping like I know what I'm doing, you know. And um, so you I learned that from you. And and then that, you, you, that time you could have me up, you know, I did my little old poem. Yes. I was like. Yes, that was awesome. Yeah, that was interesting. So yeah, that was definitely. So what do you want to share? Let's let's hear. You know, some. I think I'm gonna go with the if my body was a canvas of words. Okay, that's the one you did for the play. No, or it's actually, a different one. The one. It's a different one. This is actually okay. it goes with the title of the book, which is if my body was a canvas of words. It's inspiring. It inspired the title of the book. Okay, so, great. Yeah, yeah, we're gonna hear that after after you share this. Let's talk about the book. Go ahead. Okay. If my body was a canvas of words, painted words were written all over my body. Only my face, neck, upper chest, arms, feet exposed. What would my skin speak? Painted in burgundy seeks love, peace of mind and spirit, understanding, smiling through the tears, creating breakthroughs, painted in black. Love thy enemy and friend equally, stretching my heart. Painted in emerald green, embrace me, I'm lovable, unafraid of people. Painted in navy blue, serves an awesome God, child at heart. Painted in red, full grown woman, in baby blue, captures moments of beauty in the sky. The words flowers, hearts, roses, gladiolas are all in burgundy. Doves in white. Mahogany crosses lay in the middle of my chest, whether I'm wearing one or not, as focal points of alignment with my heavenly father. Scents of vanilla, strawberry, Egyptian musk surround my aura. The unseen painted words on the rest of my body speak, painted in black afraid of being uncovered on my wedding day. Stop focusing on imperfections. No one is perfect except for Jesus Christ. Painted in lavender, written on my legs. Have I met my true soulmate? Or somehow have I missed him? Or have I yet to cross his path? Painted in gold across my back, am I worthy of love? Did I remember to love myself before focusing my attention on loving others? 
across my side painted in purple. I used to hate myself. Painted in red, discovering what the meaning of love is, what sex equates to without love. Painted in black, my features speak. I have my aunt's ears, hips, and weight. My mom's chin and lips, my father's nose, hands, and eyelashes. Painted in gold, white, black, red, throughout my unseen skin, speaks. I'm vulnerable, sensitive, kind, genuine spirit, beautiful in my naturally curly hair, straight and braided looks. My heart has pure intentions. I open my arms to embrace you like you're my best friend if your energy's right, accepting wholeheartedly your love, imperfections, and pain. I understand pain on so many levels physically and emotionally. Painted in burgundy, learning to embrace pure joy. I deserve my happiness for my canvas to fully bloom into a complete masterpiece. This is a glimpse of words painted throughout my Egyptian Princess 8 body. End poem. Woo woo! Snap, snap, snap! <laughs> there you go, the Egyptian princess. You hey. gotta get this book. If my body was a canvas of words, and that is so awesome and, and creative. Sometimes we don't, um, you know, kind of, you know, as you kind of outline or really focus on the you know, the, the, the color, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's amazing. That's amazing. Snap, 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 so snap. I appreciate that so much. Now you have, I mean, books, I, I need to get some of your cards. I mean, you do so much. I, I kind of congratulations on, Thank you. um, there's a place that, uh, store here, uh, what's called Vita Pomona. Yes, Vita Pomona. Mm-hmm. That they're um, showcasing your hidden treasures collection. They they have a few designs. That's right. They do have a okay. certain selection that the the owner selected. They're you know I'm excited and I'm thankful for them that they decided to to showcase my my four by six um, their cards and, and what they are are from my paintings and canvases and their prints and so you, their actual cards you can send. To somebody with an envelope and um yeah i'm very honored that they have been showcasing one of my cards so yes and then you can also look at some of them on my instagram egyptian princess 8 or my website egyptianprincess8.com and yeah absolutely you can definitely message me directly mm-hmm. all right all right so we definitely need to um support uh, the egyptian princess here now thank you there's now the, of course you know this is you know international poetry month i know yes, you it is. you know you you're constantly what else is i mean happy i know that i mean of course you know due to the pandemic but things mm-hmm. are starting to kind of open do you have any mm-hmm. kind of events whether virtual or in person that um that you have coming up 
I don't actually have any events coming up just yet. No. Okay. Um, I know that I'll be part of eventually some conferences, but those are more work related, but still there will be art components to it. Um, coming in September, it's supposed to be a reparations conference that I'm excited to be a part of and still don't have all the you know, details yet, but I will make sure to promote that on my Instagram and Facebook. And I do have a Facebook like page as well, Egyptian Princess 8. So it's just Egyptian Princess 8 on all platforms. Instagram, Facebook, like page. Okay. And now, do you see a lot of, because you and I, well, what was that place we went to in Inglewood? We went to that poetry. Yes. Um, they, what was that place they called? Ended up, um, that was at the Savoy. And Savoy. they ended up moving. Okay. They moved it to, if I'm not mistaken, I believe it was the Miracle Theater. So I, I need to actually look that up to be sure. I don't know. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Now that was that was interesting and fun. And of course, I mean, you were like the queen because everybody <laughs> knew you. Everybody knew you. Finally, she she stayed. I left. You know, she was gonna party all night. But um, you know, you're totally in that whole arena, which is just really awesome. It was a great experience and great to um, to hang out with you. Now, yeah. in regards to you mentioned about your work related, mm -hmm. talk to me about your work because you're involved in the homeless. I know that yes. um, some of our mutual friends did some comedy for one yes. of your fundraisers. And tell us so about good. your work that you're that you're doing with the homeless. Yes. So I work for Volunteers of America and I work at the Hope for Home Service Center in Pomona. And it's a basically it's it's a program. It's not a shelter that people think, oh, this is just like an immediate shelter type thing. It's an actual program where participants can come and start working with a case manager. If they go through the screening process and they get in, they'll work with a case manager through Volunteers of America to get housing. And there's our partners on site for mental health, uh, physical health, uh, any substance abuse issues. We have several partners as well. So it is the dynamic of that partnership that helps the participant get on their feet. And um, if you look at our Hope for Home like page, you'll see a whole bunch of, the, I, I run that page as well on Facebook. You'll see all the different dynamics of things that we're doing and the success stories of our participants once they've been housed and they have that key in their hand and the apartment, it's just amazing to watch that wow. happen. And um, I, I have to say, I'll, I will share a poem later um, about a particular participant that moved me tremendously it it just he inspired me to write this piece and he's, he's a wonderful soul it it's so amazing to watch people transform their lives mm -hmm. and their confidence and you know try, just be ready for change and they're ready to get really on back on their feet and that's a beautiful thing to see um and, and be able to witness it up close, up close every day so Monday through Friday, I do work that during the day as the partner relations specialist. And um, I'm able to do fundraisers and showcases, which I was privileged to have that wonderful comedian come during a showcase that I was doing to raise funds for the service center. And mm -hmm. we were for art supplies and um, the library and things like that. That's what we were trying to raise funds for that particular fundraiser. So I've done a total of five showcases for Volunteers of America. And um, it's wonderful because I have amazing friends that say, yes, I'll come be a part of it. Poets, comedians, musicians, 
Um, we'll have DJ, of course, live. We'll have um, food and it's and vendors. And so it's, it's very fun to come and, and support and also uh, just be part of the experience of doing something good for someone that really needs it. So Yeah. Um, and, you know, and I think that's, you know, kind of our you know, our, our love that we have, you know, the, you know, helping people because you're a life coach. I'm a life coach. I'm trying to finish my book. You don't already did two books. So I may have to hire you to, to life coach me to help me get my book finished. Six feet to okay. my dream. So we'll talk about that on another time. You know, because life coaches need life coaches. Okay. So we'll, okay. So we'll talk about that. Um, so, but also too, um, the, you're a visual artist and yes. tell me about a little bit more about that. So I've always loved art. I love going to art galleries. I like going to shows. I like to see all mediums of different, you know, um, people showcasing their work. And I follow a lot of artists. And the thing is, I've always kind of dabbed here or there, but I didn't take it very seriously until 2017. I mean, I had started already painting since 20, I'd say it would be 14 seashells. And that's one thing that I enjoy doing because it's something personal. I, I do all kinds of big, small size seashells and where I put color schemes that are really amazing, that shine. And then I add positive affirmations inside of it. So that's one thing that I do paint. And I like to personalize it for people like their favorite colors or you know, something that I know that's going to speak to them with the positive affirmations. And so that's one of my things that I like to do. But then I took it to another level with my journals. I painted a few journals in 2014, and then I really went hard in 2017. I started painting all kinds of journals and all kinds of designs, mermaids and owls and lions and people and lovers. And because I'm, I'm a believer in couples journals and I like to put a special message even in that so I'll do a king and queen like a, a pharaoh king and, and a pharaoh queen and you know that'll be a couples journal and motivate a couple that's married or you know just in the beginning stages and want to develop their relationship wholeheartedly mm. believe in that I think it's so important to encourage in your relationship pray for one another say something positive uplifting it's supposed to be a very positive journal nothing ugly <laughs> none whatsoever <laughs> so yeah you share it and go back and forth and surprise each other and spice up your relationship and, and bless each other um and so I, I did that and then i started telling people hey if you want something personalized let me know what you're looking for in a journal and i'll create that for you and i also do personalized journals uh, at request colors design whatever it is they're looking for and um it's an it's just an honor and a privilege to be asked for anything artistically. And then I decided to finally put on an art show in 2019. I had been painting heavily 2017, 2018, and decided to finally go more to canvases and not just the small journals, but big canvases. And mm -hmm. at work, I even got a request for a 30 by 40 blue big busted woman, <laughs> corn, <laughs> tomatoes. And I know I was like, okay, whatever. This is your, this is what you want for your life. Then that's fine in your house. Um, yeah, corn, tomatoes, and um, eggs. And she said, I just want this. She had this blue nail polish on her hands. And she says, this is the color I want. And I had the paint and I was like, okay. And I sat there, I practiced <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do this. And she gave me complete freedom with all the requests. Like, 
you're not, I don't want it here on left and right. She didn't say anything. She just gave me what she wanted. And she says, go wild. And it came out so amazing. I mean, I'm so happy with the way that actually came out. And I have the cards now, prints of that, which, you know, to this day. So, but yes, it's a popular piece. And I've created a unicorn. I created my own King Pharaoh as well. And then I had my own personal art show in 2019. I celebrated my birthday and I celebrated um, my art and I celebrated my friends came out to perform for that night. So it was called the Trifecta Night. Mm. And uh, it was so good. It was just such a blessing to have that for 2019. And a friend had gotten in my ear and said, no, do it this year. Cause I said, oh, maybe I'll wait till the next year. He's like, no, do it this year. And I'm so glad he said that to me. And it got in my head months before because I booked it two months before my birthday. Everything worked out mm -hmm. and it came together. I had 30 pieces up on the wall and um, I was just excited to, you know, pursue my art on a completely different level with colors of, of I mean, I use charcoal, I use oil pens, I use acrylic, mm -hmm. watercolors, I use it all. I really, wow. oil paint, to be honest, I don't use oil paint, but I use oil pens. That's okay. the one thing I really don't, don't mess with too much, but yes. And, and the, you um, know, it's interesting because I'm, I'm thinking about my, I've been thinking about my birthday. I was like, you know, I think I may want to do a, a paint party or, yes. or something. So we'll, we'll, we'll definitely, we see, we got so much to, more to talk about. I'm excited. So <laughs> let me, let me ask you this because as a, you know, you being a visual artist, a, a, a mm -hmm. poet, um, um, the inauguration. Yes. The inauguration, first time having the spoken word. Talk to me mm -hmm. about that. So, what was your feeling? I, I mean, I was excited. You know, I was very excited and as a poet, you know, it's, we're so underrated. <laughs> That's one thing. We mm -hmm. don't get enough attention. And what was funny mm -hmm. is about a week later, we don't, we really don't. A week later, I was asked to be part of a conference because of the excitement the person felt from the inauguration. And she said to me, she said, you must be so proud of Amanda Gorman. And I said, yes. I am proud of her that yes, 100%. Like, yes, that's the truth. However, I am also like, well, I've been doing this, you know, for a long time. I've been writing poetry for since I was 12. You know, I'm, I've been writing poetry um, and we're not in competition. That's the thing with any poet or any artist. Like we all stand out. We all have our gifts. We all have lanes to shine. I'm mm -hmm. so excited for her because it's a long time coming. She has worked so hard. She, I know that people through, it's like five degrees of separation that know her. I don't know her personally, but I know people that know her and I know her struggles of what she's gone through and the fact that she was given that platform to speak and be a woman of color and be a woman to, to really deliver a message that was necessary. That, yes, 100%, I'm very excited about. But right. a, I feel like, wait a minute. Well, we've been, I've been doing this for a long time. I've hosted, you know, three different open mics for five years. I have been writing since I was 12. So for me, I felt like, you know, I'm not, I'm excited, but at the same time, it's not to the point where it's like, it's not a shocker or surprising. You know what I mean? For me, Yeah, like, and like you said, the time. platform, and I know we had, you know, talked yeah. about, you know, times in the past about, yeah. you know, creating, you know, yeah. a platform 
you know, where yes. ports can be able to, you know, to come and 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 you know show the you know the creativity. And, yes. and that's the thing is is so is so important. And that's one thing about when we talk about dreams and and helping people to yes um, use their gifts and talents. It's like Most you know do what you're called to do. Amen. Um, <laughs> yes. Okay, do what yes. you are called to do. Yes. And um, and I celebrate the arts. I'm, you know, and it's always yeah. like myself and my family. I have so many people that either sing or play mm-hmm. instruments. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I could probably play the congos and the tambourine oh. a little bit. Hey. Yeah, but and I can make a little joyful noise, but not okay. you know that level. But it, I'm like, and I was like, well, you know, somebody got to be the producer, okay? Yeah. Somebody, you know, got to have somebody that's the organizer, you know. So hey, that's praise God, you can sing, but you know, this is my lane over here, and I'm gonna work, you know, and use the gifts and talents and, and that God has, you know, given me and so forth. So exactly. Because everybody about life coaching because I didn't, you know, t- tell me about your your life coaching. How did how did that um, kind of you know start? Well, the thing is, I've always been someone that people come to for advice. In high school, I was a peer counselor. Um, in in college, all my friends would come to me and have problems. <laughs> like when I say all, like I have people call me at two o'clock in the morning. Oh my God, Mary, I'm you know, and then they go into their spiel. Okay, I'm, I'm here I, for I you, you. You know, <laughs> so I've always been the ear that you know listens and has good advice, and you know, and then throughout the years, that's always been my my job. Friends always come to me because they know I have a. I'll give them some sound advice, and I'll I'm always loyal. That's my important. If you're my friend, I'm loyal to you. Mm-hmm. very 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 like the heart like big time so when anybody wants to hurt my friend then i got a problem <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm like wait a minute you I, can't need get away with that. I need to send you some names in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. exactly i really do i really do so, so then you know as i started doing my poetry as hosting and and you know there was someone that came up to me you know and what and contacted me and said you know I want you to be my life coach. And I said, I'd be honored. And we started that relationship. And through that person, they ended up referring another person. And um, other people got wind that, you know, that I, you know, life coach and they pursued me. So people asked me and Mm -hmm. um, I decided, you know, this is something I want to make it known that I, you know, I'm a life coach and I wholeheartedly I'm here. You know, this is what I'm here for because I feel like God delivered me from that accident and he delivered me from a lot of, you know, um, things that were difficult through my life in my relationship with my family, um, breakdowns that I went through, things like that. I mean, I, I'm not someone who hides things. I'm very open. I am reserved to a certain degree, but at the same time, I tell people my story. And if you read my poems, you'll see everything. I don't hide anything. Um, I feel it's important to be open and transparent because I'm a sinner, you know, but we're all sinners. So it doesn't, right. you know what I mean? Like, I'm not here to be judged and I'm not here to judge you either. And if God gave me another day, every time he gives me another day, I feel like, okay, but I need to keep walking in my purpose. I need to keep helping someone. And mm. that's what I'm here for is to help and to serve others. And so life coaching for me is so important because it is it's so hard 
to find someone that you can trust mm-hmm. and be open and be yourself without feeling like, oh my God, you know, this person's going to judge me. I can't tell my friend this. They're going to be this way. Or, I, you know, I feel like my friend's really not being my friend. The minute they speak those words, I'm like, that's like a, I already know. I already know about that type of friend because they're not really your friend. <laughs> so it's like, I have to, no. really, have to go through that little walking journey. Like, okay, I need you to start realizing that's not your real friend. And that's a hard lesson to learn and learning of pruning and things like that. That's such an important journey to work with people and make them understand not everybody's meant to go with you and level with you when you're trying to level up. And yes, yes. And I'm glad you mentioned that. People don't understand that until someone's actually listening for them, just them, not anybody else. Like I'm here for you. I'm trying to get you to the next level. I'm trying to get you to your best life and you're meant for greatness. You just have some roadblocks. You have some unfortunate crows in your life that need to get to step in because you're an eagle that's meant to fly. And if you get to understand that concept, then you will fly. But if you keep sitting there and you got all these people that are around you that are crows, they will bring you down. And yes. I'm a believer in you need to understand your magnitude, who you are as a person and have someone rooting directly for you because there's so much negativity that comes at us. There's stuff on our mm-hmm. world, our family, a friend, whatever. You, you've got so many things coming at you that's bombarding you and weighing you down. You need someone in your corner to say, I'm here for you. And I'm here to encourage you and be your cheerleader. I'm here for you. So I take life coaching very, very seriously. I do. Yeah, and you do. And, and, and I can tell that because, you know, when I, you know, whether I'm looking at your your Instagram or your Facebook, you, you know, you always, you know, have or posting something to, you know, help take that person, you know, to level them up, to take, you know, them to the, the next level. And, and that's what we need. And so I'm, you know, so thankful for your gifts and talents and, and the fact that you're using your gifts and talents. And you're making a difference, whether it's through art, through your job and and helping, um, you know, see people transformed. And that's kind of what, you know, like, you know, poetry, taking, starting off with just a thought or a word or, or something and and taking it, you know, to that, to that next level. Now, before you share your next poem is Mm -hmm. what else, anything else that you would like um, us to know here about you. You know, I, I'm just, I gotta say, I'm really thankful for everything I've gone through. Um, and I'm thankful that God has used me in so many different ways. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm just, that's what it is. Gratitude is very important as well. in staying in that pocket of gratitude because it's so easy to be deterred. And so I just encourage, you know, people to, to remember, look at your blessings because it's so easy to get bogged down by all the things that are not going right. Cause there's always going to be things that are not going right. But if you choose to stay in that space of gratitude, you will be blessed and you will be continually blessed. But the more you shift to the other direction, you know, it's, it's just such a slippery slope. You really want to make sure you are standing on a, found that that foundation of gratitude and knowing that it's going to get better you just have to keep pushing 
and think about it this way. Think going back a year prior, where were you? And then if you look at where you were a year prior or a year before that and how far you've come in your journey, then look at how far you can go further. So I just want to put a word of encouragement in people that, you know, keep in gratitude and realize that it's truly, truly, you know, a blessing to be alive. Amen. Amen. And I tell you, I'm just so honored that our paths crossed and through our paths crossing, we just kind of gravitated and have been connected, you know, ever since. And I'm, and I'm looking forward to what else God has in store for you and I. And actually when you were talking, I'm like, cause you know, you know, you know, my, my travel business, so mm-hmm. I'm like, we need to do a Egypt trip, even if it's oh, a couple uh, years from now. Right? We need to plan an <laughs> Egypt trip. So we're going to talk about the Egypt trip. Yeah, and awesome. look at um, preparing and planning, um, you know, for something um, heading to to Egypt, whether it's 22 or 23. So what, what poem are you going to share with us before we close out here? Well, um, I have two short ones I'll do, if that's okay with you. I wanted to share the yeah. piece that I wrote about the, the homeless gentleman. And I want to leave with um, a love poem, just so that people kind of get a feel for the different yeah. things that, that I write about. Let, let me so. ask you, before you before you start with this one um, that mm-hmm. was inspired by a homeless person, Mm-hmm. Um, you know, whether it's my community or other communities, I mean, homelessness, the, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, it's hard for me to even go to a community meeting, you yeah. know, where it's yeah. the, the topic on the list is always about the homeless. Um, right. you know, not only you worked with the homeless, I've worked uh, many years in the streets of downtown LA, uh, mm-hmm. with the homeless as well as here in my community in Long Beach, California. Um, what, what do you have to, you know, say to, you know, to people to maybe kind of, um, maybe change their, you know, their, their first kind of like the, the stereotype of Mm -hmm. homelessness, right? Yes. We know that. Yes. There are some people that want to stay homeless. They want to be homeless. They don't want to have any, you know, responsibility, but. Well, what would you kind of say to really kind of help change people's stereotype about homeless? I would say it's that, you know, anybody could be two paychecks away from being homeless, first Mm. and foremost. And if you're, if that's your situation and you don't have any form of addiction, then think about that. The next time you see someone on the street, they could just be, you know what? They don't, they don't have a job. They lost their job. They don't have, you know, they couldn't afford paying their rent anymore. Maybe there's a situation in their relationship. They had to leave their their marriage or girlfriend or boyfriend or or what have you. I mean, you never really know someone's actual story. And think about that before you judge, because we're so quick to judge people. That's us all day long on Facebook. If you read half the comments all day long from the news, what we're judging and what we're commenting, Like you don't always give people a fair chance and think about it this way. Would you want that same judgment on you? Mm. So when you look at that person, 
look at them and realize, you know what, that person, you know, came from somebody. They had a mom, they had a dad, or they were adopted at one point, or, you know, they they have a story that you just don't know. Maybe they have struggled with addiction. That could be their story. Maybe they st struggle with, you know, it could be alcohol, it could be drugs. That could be their story. But it doesn't mean that's everyone. So mm -hmm. don't be quick to assume that's the situation. And have compassion. That is the most important thing. It's one thing to be empathetic, I mean, sympathetic, but be empathetic, be compassionate, and realize what the word compassion means, which means that you understand someone's suffering. So before you're so quick to think, oh, look at that person and all oh, that, you have all these negative things going through your head, don't do it. Just don't do it because that same judgment could be happening to you one day. So I encourage people to just give people a chance and, oh, and respect yeah. them. Respect them and realize that that's, that's your brother on the street. That's your sister on the street. Mm -hmm. That can be anybody. There, it's, we're all important. Every single one of us. In every field, in every capacity. That person that you think in any job or what have you, the judgments we have about jobs and all those things. No, we are all one, no matter what. So, and, yeah. And you know, one thing too, I mean, since, um, you know, the 2020, mm -hmm. you know, everybody mm -hmm. should have some, some double, compassion. triple right. empathy, compassion. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of people should be, okay, you mm -hmm. have the opportunity to experience what it felt like to not have any money. Yes. Barely any food or any toilet paper. Yes, that part right there. That part right there. Yeah. Losing jobs, that has been a serious, serious situation for a lot of people. Businesses have shut down. People are struggling. And it's going to take a while for people to get on their feet. And, mm -hmm. even, and just, the, just even seeing people, like just that whole thing in person is such a huge blessing we took for granted. And now we're going to start to see people and what does that look like? And what does that mean? Us coming out of our own shells that we've been in. So, you know, that's important to realize. Imagine someone who's been on the street suffering all this time. The whole yeah. Year. Imagine that. And, you know, I was, um, I forget where I was driving. I'm always on the road, you know, with, um, you know, my real estate career and stuff. And, um, mm -hmm. but I, it was this whole row on the street of, of mm -hmm. homeless and and tents and stuff and mm -hmm. and then you know I was just kind of thinking it and I was like you know it's, yeah. you know it's a lot of they have a lot of stuff right you know and they're they're homeless but then you know I, I believe God just has to remind me well you want stuff too mm -hmm. you know don't assume because someone's homeless that they don't want more or they don't Correct. you know Right. They still have a a lifestyle where you know they're still trying to live comfortable. Just, yes, yes. Oh they're yeah, they're trying to be comfortable in their oh, state yeah. of homelessness. Yes, I've met people that are now in their seventies. Where I would hear their success story, they have an apartment now. They, the way they're dressed, that they have, you know, she, this particular person happened to be like model type body, you know and um still looks body like if you look at this person from behind you would say this person's probably like 40. you would never think when you know she turns around it's like oh wow you know what i mean like it's different like oh my gosh but 
the fact that she's 70 and then she tells her story that, you know what, I lived out of my suitcases. I would put them a certain place and keep them protected. And then I'd go and wash up and dress and go to work and I'd still do this and I'd still do that. And you're listening and I'm like, wow, you know, that that takes a lot for a person to do all that. And that's a many, many people's story today. Mm-hmm. And a year ago and a year before that, it's this, it's trying to survive because they can't afford rent because rent is an issue. Right. I was just listening. I was just listening to this lady. Um, I think she was on the news and she was saying mm-hmm. how she, she got two master's degrees and she was yeah. homeless and with, yep. and with the child. I'm like, oh my God, how awesome. Yes. How exactly. awesome. You know, how, what yes. perseverance, you know, through that yes. situation. So, all yes. right, all right, all right. We can go on about this. I know. You know, this, this, you know, the, the, the topic is just so much more, but, um, yeah. You know, like you said, you know, have that, you know, compassion for others. You know, I can yes. think of a time where I had to go from my apartment to live with my sister. Technically, mm-hmm. I was homeless. You know? Right. right. You know, so we sometimes don't think about that, you know, and put ourselves in like, wait a minute, I was homeless. I was living with somebody, but, right. you know. All right. Exactly. So now share this poem inspired by um, yes. this homeless um, person. Yes. Uh, that you encountered. Yes. It's true story. So it's called Claire de Lune. A 60-something-year-old homeless man heard a song playing out of my friend's cell phone. That's Claire de Lune, right? Smiles. Debussy, right? Smiling, yes, it is, I answered. He stood frozen in time for a moment, listening intently, where life seemed good. Then walked away peacefully. My heart felt sad, wondering when he first was introduced to that song. Was he in high school, had a family that loved protecting him? With a girlfriend ballroom dancing at prom, first song learned playing the piano himself. We don't ever really know the full story of the hurt, hungry, homeless lives of those who walk among us. I just want to remember I looked up and noticed everyone equally. We may not be given the same family support, friends, love, privileges, education, skills, bank accounts, clothing, food. Yet when our skin is cut, the same blood flows out our veins, giving us the circulation to move. I urge us to move, move mindfully, skillfully with the power we have to fight on for the voiceless, the voiceless that listen to music like me and you and smile. Wow. Snap, snap, snap. Thank you. You know, and, it, and it's interesting, you know, music. Mm-hmm. And just like you said, you know, you're wondering what was he thinking about? And just like mm-hmm. when I was talking to you earlier and I was listening, you know, to a 70s song and I love my mm-hmm. 70s because it just mm-hmm. reminds me just some really great times with my mom and my family and you know, yes. it takes you, you know, it takes you back, you know, mm-hmm. and it just makes you, like you said, you were just wondering what was he thinking? What, what happened during the, that right. moment of, of him remembering, you know, the uh, time in, in his life, you know? Yes, exactly. All right now. So what's the next one? Okay. So this one is called Gatekeeper of Love. 
I have been the gatekeeper of love, like a needle penetrating the skin, drawing blood. I pour into so many people. I am awaiting for my transfusion of love to fill my heart by one man. See, I'm not looking for memoirs of fantasy anymore. It's that overflow of new every morning love, the dew kiss on fresh cut green grass that sparkles at 7 a.m. It's that laughter of kids running through sprinklers leaping with joy. It's that first bite into a hot fudge caramel sundae with almonds. It's the caress of water cleansing your skin as you embrace each day rejuvenating your body. It's the sun piercing the sky, turning clouds into auburn fires. It's the warmth of a bed comforter on a rainy day. It's my desire to share all my favorite things and how I will shower you with all I have to give, which is more than you can imagine. See, when you thirst for the kind of affection that I see, your vision of the one transpires to a deeper work, a hunger for more of what I know I deserve. I am an eagle flying, waiting to meet her equal in my journey of love. Wow. <laughs> you know, first I was like, ooh, I gotta ch- change my, um, from from a clean show to <laughs> when you heard. <laughs> I was like, do that to you. Yeah, but I, but I love it. You know, love is, you know, love is us. Love is world. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, um, awesome. Awesome. All mm-hmm. right. Well, we have, and I'm just so um, honored to have you on the show. Thank you me. know, um, our Egyptian princess, eight. eight. You can yes. reach her <laughs> on all um, social media platforms. Egyptian, yes. Egyptian princess eight hire her to to come (laughs) in and do some poetry um support um her her paintings her cards and so forth um not only is she's a poet a life coach author visual artist uh miss egyptian princess eight thank you so so much for being on issues of life with life coach lady gloria b thank you for joining I have to say I have to thank you so much for this privilege to be on your podcast. I'm so honored to be here and just you are such an amazing light. I just have to say from the day that I met you to the, all these years of knowing you, you've always been super kind to me and loving and encouraging and supportive. And I've just always enjoyed to see you face to face. I would get so excited. I was so happy to see you because I appreciate the light and energy that you have and exude for others. You are such a giver and you're so kind. And that kindness means the world to not just me, but I'm sure everyone that comes into your presence. So thank you for being you and and shedding your light into my life and your love. So thank you for everything. I appreciate you. Oh, you're so sweet. Those little tears coming down. (laughs) (laughs) That's so very kind of you. So again, this is issues of life thank you for joining us at this time and this moment all right i will be talking egyptian queen princess (laughs) all right (laughs) we know you're the queen Uh, (laughs) right (laughs) all right talk to you soon okay
<laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.